0: So, so thanks for having us. It's good to be here. It's my first trip into London for, for a couple of years. So um, it's actually nice to be around real people and um, the people on stage with me. I haven't um, actually I met Flora a few years ago at an event, but everyone else has just been floating heads on Zoom. So it's nice to actually to see what people look like. Um, and we're going to be talking to you today really about what does success in podcasting sound like? thinking about it from, you know, all, all different angles. But ultimately, what does success mean? Um, and, and really how we kind of future-proof podcasting, because it is, it is growing, it's huge at the moment. Everyone loves podcasts but making sure that we actually, as an industry, as, as people involved in that, develop a product that continues to grow and takes advantage of the challenges that we, we have ahead. So we've got a great panel here, which is good. So hopefully we can have a good discussion. Um, I'll do a very, very quick introduction myself and then ask the panelists to introduce themselves. But I've got, um, I'll go in this order. I've got Neil Cowlin from Fresh Air Production, Flora Williams from MGOMD, and Andrew Goldsmith from Adalicious. So if I could ask you all, just first of all, if you could introduce yourself, and we may as well go in, in this order because it flows nicely, and um, just say a little bit about your companies, uh, what you do, and, and also to make it more human, just give a recommended podcast, your favorite podcast, or, or something along those lines, just to uh, bring a human element to proceedings.
1: Okay, thank you very much. Hi, I'm Neil. Um, I run a company called Fresh Air Production, and we are the UK's leading provider of podcasts for brands and businesses. So I come out of a, a background in radio and all our team come out of a background in broadcast radio. But about four or five years ago, we decided to concentrate very much on podcasts and very much on podcasts for brands. So we work for large corporates, we work for NGOs, we work for government departments, really wide range of organizations, um, trying to help them to understand what podcasting can do for them. and what success looks like, which is convenient given the title of this
2: session. Don't know how to continue <laughs> after that. Um, so I'm Flora, I work at Manning Gottlieb, which is part of the Omnicom group. I currently work on the government specifically, so all UK government, but previously have worked on the private sector, so Lidl, PepsiCo, etc. But the reason why I'm, I'm here, I guess, is because I work multimedia, but I do have a passion for audio in particular, especially podcasts. And um, I think it's really interesting to see how they fit into the wider media mix and what their role is, which we'll discuss a little bit more. Um, My favourite podcast is Help I Sexted My Boss. I don't know whether anyone's listened to that. Um, I did have them in at my previous company, OMD, and I sent an invite to everyone saying Help I Sexted My Boss podcast. And there was a lot of misunderstanding. But great podcast listen to
3: it. I think I've got a new favourite podcast to listen to in a minute um, after this. Um, hi, I'm Andy Goldsmith. I'm the MD of Delicious. We're probably the newest podcast ad network launched in August of 2020, but Europe's fastest growing, uh, which I'm pleased to say we're very close to our first landmark of 10 million uh, listens a month. So we're, we're accelerating towards that probably next week or the week after. I've been in media my entire career, but, you know, previous to this, I've worked at uh, Global and at The Guardian, where I kind of basically had a, uh, like Flora, I've got a huge passion for audio. Uh, when I left The Guardian, I met my two founders, Pascal and David, who set up Adalicious, and I joined in the uh, late summer, or early autumn of last year. My job really is to, is, is, is both sides is to help monetize the podcasts that are on our network, but grow our network at the same time. And we're up against some big beasts, but we have a slightly a different way of going about the market. We're very close to all the podcasts that we look after, and we have a, a one-to-one relationship with everybody. And we want to just make sure that the creator economy is, is well rewarded for all the time and effort that goes into you know all the craft of producing such brilliant podcasts. So I'm just looking forward to this, this discussion. Oh, my favourite podcast. I've got loads. I've got like a a mass market interest, but also a bit niche. So uh, I like uh, Joe Wilkinson and James Earl. They've got my favourite, my new football club. Which is, which is brilliant, if you like a bit of weird humour. love weird humour. Neil, did you get yours? Oh,
1: no, I didn't. I, I realised I forgot. Um, Crowd Network are a, a group I really, really admire. They're a, a based in Manchester, a group of uh, producers producing some brilliant storytelling podcasts. Flight 149 is the latest. It's about a flight that landed in Kuwait on the night that Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait and started bombing the airport and all the passengers were taken hostage. And it's just one where after 10 minutes, I'm in and it's, it's got me. So I'm, I'm, I've not finished it yet, but I'm loving it.
2: I feel like that says a lot between you and
1: me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love sexting my boss as well. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I actually saw that. You recommended that on your newsletter this week. And then see. I was listening to the Joe Marla show on the way to the school the other day and there was an advert for it so that got me hooked so I'm gonna have to listen to that as well Um, and then and then just two seconds on me I'm I'm, uh, not sex (laughs) two seconds on me I'm Damien Scragg. I'm the general manager for international for Veritonic we're an audio intelligence platform so what that means is that we're involved in the measurement of audio and thinking about the effectiveness of audio so we work with buyers sellers creators brands directly to help them understand um, using research and analysis which creative is going to work which voice which sonic logo which script um and do a lot of work around things like attribution and brand lift um so it's both pre and post campaign analysis and things like that and my favorite podcast so i listen to quite a few but one that was recommended to me sometime during lockdown called wind of change uh, and it's a good one because it's only six or eight episodes. It's not a long one that you have to get invested in so you can binge listen. But it's based on the Scorpion song, Wind of Change. You know, <whistles>
1: that one. That's what sprung to mind, but I didn't think that you'd base a podcast on it. But.
0: No, it was brilliant. It's, there's there's conspiracy around that song that the CIA wrote it to further... Western ideals as as communism was falling. Whether it's true or not doesn't matter. It's brilliant. So that that was um, that was kind of my, my guilty pleasure. So so let's get on with this. I'm going to rehash a few stats and I will read them because I never remember stats. And apologies if we've we've covered them. And I got these from the internet, so if they're wrong, blame blame Google. But um, it kind of teases up nicely for where we're going today. So you know, I was interested myself to know how many podcasts were available online. Apparently, there's two million podcasts available and 48 million. Episodes I got from podcast insights last year, and Statista said that in 2021, 19.1 million listeners in the UK of, of podcasts. That's a third of the population, which is which is fairly huge. And, and then there's the increase in spend. So in 2021, 46 million on podcast advertising, which is estimated to go up to 80 by by 2026, and it grew from from 10 in 2017. However, and this kind of moves into where we're going, the, the big challenge is if you look at the whole of digital ad spend, that was 19 billion pounds last year. So, you know, that, that kind of highlights the, the a challenge and an opportunity. There's a, there's a huge opportunity for growth, but, but the challenge is there's a, there's a, you know, a lot of competition out there um, of where it goes. So thinking about the future proofing of, um, of podcasting and actually getting to a point where we've got a sustainable and growing business that's beneficial for everyone. Neil, I, w- I want to kind of start with you. Somebody who creates podcasts, we, we have to start with podcasts and the product has to be good to start with. If, you, if you're not starting with a good pod- podcast, unless you're particularly lucky, it's, it's not going anywhere. So creating a podcast, it's, it's not just two mates in a bedroom with a microphone, is it?
1: No, thankfully, not anymore. Oh, well that, you know, it can be. It's an interesting one in terms of what does success look like for a podcast. It's whatever you want success to be. We spend a lot of our time working with brands to explore what success looks like, because I'll be honest, you know, I said just now, we, we went into podcasting four or five years ago. At that point, you still had to explain what a podcast was to a lot of people. But also, we hands up, we made some horrific vanity projects for people. You know, this, this idea of podcasts are cool, let's make a podcast can drive you to just do something without starting by understanding what it, was, what it is you want to achieve. Because if you're just doing it to be in the game, then that's, no, that's not a good reason for doing it at all. So we spend a lot of time saying, okay, what do you think podcasts can do to you? What do you want people to think or feel or do differently as a result of hearing the podcast? What numbers do you want to achieve? And, you know, sadly... For us, that you know, podcast numbers are a bit of a minefield, they're not very publicly available. So, when people are asking for benchmarks, that's quite difficult. But we know roughly what you know, what a good audience for a podcast is. But more importantly, yeah, if two people in a room talking will achieve the objective that you want it to achieve, then great. I mean, don't do it in a bedroom, do it in a in a studio or at least get some decent mics and god knows we've all become experts in how to set up decent remote mics and do remote recording these days so two well-informed people talking to each other can be a great podcast and we all you know we all know podcasts that work like that what we tend to do as much of these days is is taking a thinking about what a format can do to achieve an objective and that might be far more than two people in a room it might be going and recording a mini documentary it might be a panel discussion it might be a comedy or a piece of investigative journalism all those things are out there to play for but yeah i mean bottom line if you don't understand what you want your audience to think about you as a result of hearing it then don't bother
0: so you do get brands coming to you literally still just saying i want to do a podcast and you have to help them understand why they want to do the podcast
1: yeah i think if we kind of row them back from that. Okay, okay, we understand that you want to do a podcast, but is it thought leadership? Is it driving sales? Is it changing something about the perception of what you, what you want to say? And if at the end of that, the answer is still, we just want to make a podcast, then that's probably not, you know, we, we would probably knock that back. But thankfully, I think those days are largely gone now. I think people understand that you can't just make something, throw it onto iTunes and hope that people will find it and, and love it. You have to, and this is where um, Flora comes in in particular, you have to amplify it by getting the word out there, because as you say, you've got a competition of two and a half million podcasts. When people listen, they want to take something out at the end of it that's useful to them. You know, when you think about how someone listens to a podcast, you've got 20 minutes or so of dead time. And at the end of that, you want to be either entertained or informed or shocked or find something funny. And as a brand, you know, obviously this is what we think about all the time, but as a brand, probably the best thing that you get at the end of that is, I enjoyed that, and I'm grateful to those people for having brought it to me. And very often, that's the best takeout you can get. If you try and shoehorn your message into that, or a brand message, then that's instantly, no one wants to listen to a 20-minute advert. So, yeah, we do a lot of that work. But nowadays, it's, a, it's becoming a, a grown-up medium in that sense, and people are thinking about it carefully. And we normally get to the point where we go, yeah, there's a brilliant format, there's talent, there's research and scripting that goes around it, and we'll create something that we're proud of. And we do create a lot of content that we're proud of. And thankfully, and I'm sure we'll get onto this a bit, we're able now to pro- produce the evidence that shows that that was a worthwhile investment and, and a worthwhile use of time.
0: Got it. And, and and I guess, Flora, I mean, it would, would be a good chance for to ask you. I mean, you know, there's lots of podcasts It uh, can be fragmented. You've got different brands doing different things, different brands trying to get into it. So from a buying perspective, I mean, what are the challenges that are faced by by brands and by agencies?
2: Exactly. Like you say, the market is incredibly fragmented. Um, there's also, it's quite a niche knowledge to know the podcast industry specifically and know how to navigate it because generally you might have an AV team within an agency and they will do generally radio as well and they would do audio overall and then they would be going into a podcast so them understanding the detail of podcasting and how to navigate which piece of content by which provider is really it's niche so they probably don't know that level of detail until you delve into it further based on a brief. That said, I think that there's some really great knowledge out there, and people are understanding more and more about how to navigate that really complicated marketplace. And media owners, you know, bringing together lots of different pieces of content in one place helps massively. But there's a range of different ways to buy into podcasts. I mean, only last week I was speaking to um, a client who was talking about wanting to do a podcast, which we've spoken about, but potentially actually live reads could be right instead of a branded podcast or a voice app. You know, we're talking about podcasts here, but there are lots of different areas of audio which are... An opportunity and even just standard pre-roll has its value so we were looking previously i think we were speaking last week about is it for long term or is it for short term because creating your own podcast is very long term (laughs) that that is always going to be available unless you literally retract it i don't even know whether you can on itunes whereas pre-roll is much better for short-term action so if you're john lewis christmas for example you probably don't want that advert heard in January. So those are the kind of considerations to take into account. It, it's a complicated marketplace.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And, and you kind of touched on it a bit when you talked about the, the planning, you know, audio, podcasts, and whatever. And and, and Andrew, Andrew, I think you'll have an opinion on this as well. But is the conversation from a buying perspective, is it, okay, you, you know, you, is it podcast or radio? Or is it podcast or digital? Is it podcast, you know where does it fit within that
2: question um it depends on the brief so we would get a brief which would be have different strategic pillars different roles and i would say that generally the majority of the briefs which come through are audio and podcasting would fall into that unless it's a partnership trying to do something much deeper and then a podcast branding podcast you know or sponsorship or something like that would fit into that space but There's also the audience side of things to consider. So is it a niche audience, in which case creating your own branded podcast might be a better option than uh, a really broad audience which is much easier to reach through harnessing already really popular podcasts so there's there's a lot of considerations
0: so selling this must be a real nightmare
3: (laughs) yeah it can be i should i I would just like to add as well it it doesn't have to be podcast or podcast and or digital and or, or or you know digital radio and you know press print all of it, and because it, we, know, we're, we know we're up against other media, and I think podcasts um, are having to, to appreciate they have to fight to get onto the uh, to get to get the table to get the brief in, and it has to work against, it has to work with other media, it has to prove itself to, to kind of get there and then stay there. Got it. And and uh, podcasting
0: is typically, uh, my understanding anyway, is, is is a little bit more expensive to advertise in. So what are the I don't know, but the USP is the right thing. But what are the, the key points then when you're saying, listen, okay, audience are you know possibly fragmented, different podcasts to advertise on. Yes, it potentially does cost a little bit more. However, contextually relevant, engaged audience, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Exactly. What kind of things are
3: you are you doing to, to sort of educate the buy side of of, of why e- education is is absolutely vital here i think uh, uh, across the whole kind of decision making chain i think floor is absolutely right we've we're starting to to or media agencies they are starting to see pockets of people that are genuinely interested in leaning into podcasting and that's because they've got clients that are podcast fans that are asking for this and understand or want to understand what role it could play so they they're kind of learning on the job in that respect our job is to kind of help facilitate and, and help educate and provide as much evidence into those conversations as possible. But you're absolutely right. I mean, podcasting is growing, but it's still considered to be quite niche. We're, we're, you know, I, I also think the UK thinks small about podcasting i think we have a mental block with podcasting in this in this country in america it is a blockbuster ad vehicle and it's treated that way and it's and i think that you know neil you work with other production companies in 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 north america where the conversation is not small time it's it's huge so i think we've got uh, an education piece to kind of really push podcasting up the agenda but at the same time yeah it's you know on a cpt or cpm basis it does seem expensive, but the capital cost is is still low. Our, our job is to educate around that contextual buy, the content buy, bring the audience to the fore. We have got a problem in the podcast industry around what data is available, and that's the other big battle that we've got. Because as I said before, we have to compete with other media. We have to, and we have to prove the role that podcasts play on a media buy and when you're fighting against or with digital, you know, traditional media as well, it's quite hard. So we as an industry have to work h- harder, I think, in producing that evidence. Everything from the basic kind of listen through rates, listen listener numbers, all the way through to what was, what was happening when people were, were listening to that podcast, what actions did they take? What did they do afterwards when they were listening to the adverts? What context was the advert heard in? Was it a host read? Was it a spot ad? Where did it sit? There's there's an awful lot I think as an industry we can come together and and, and get better at. Um, we are. It's moving that way, but we've got a long way to go I think.
0: And I think when we when we spoke last week, I think Flora, you mentioned um, sort of I don't know, lack of standards within podcasts. Can you elaborate yeah. a little bit on on
2: that? Yeah. So. Working across different suppliers or media owners will get different levels of metrics back. So first of all, to clarify, on the measurement side of things, like there's the advertiser measurement and then there's also obviously the creative measurement and they're, they're very different. So I'm talking about advertiser measurement, just to be clear. So when I say listen-through rate, I mean listen-through rate of the advert, so 30 seconds. But actually, that's something which is quite interesting because if you talk about your podcast listen-through rate, It might be the same percentage, but the seconds are way more. So it's all about metrics which matter when we're talking about this. You know, what does it translate to? We talk about outputs, which are media metrics, outtakes like main message takeout and outcomes like behaviour change. And that's how we kind of navigate the effectiveness marketplace in terms of measurement. I would say that in terms of outputs, the metrics on podcasts compared to the rest of digital We're behind in accountability, generally, but also we don't get the same metrics for each media owner, which we work with. So sometimes we'll get listen-through rate and click-through rate. Sometimes you can't click on it. Other times we might get dwell time. We might, there, there are, you know, which top podcasts they are. There are lots of different metrics, but they're not consistent. So if you buy on multiple providers... You don't get consistent overall metrics to be able to report on at the end. And they're all fragmented and you have to pull that together. And what we were discussing before is that actually podcasting can be very time consuming for the amount which you're spending on it compared to other media. So it's just trying to make that as easy as possible for the customer or the client or whoever it might be to be able to help with that, to then sell it in, because it's worth so much, there's so much value to it, but it's also time is money, ultimately.
1: It's really bloody hard. I mean, you know, making, making a good podcast that's effective for a long period of time and has the result that you're looking for it to create Is is hard work, and I I completely understand. From you know, Flora and I sort of coming from slightly different angles. You know, so obviously we're creating content that's completely owned by a brand, and and we have to try and make it as unlabor intensive for those people as possible. But like any piece of content, if you're going to do it well, you've got to think about it really hard. You've got to have all the creativity that goes into it. You've got to have all the sign-offs that come with that. And that's equally true if you're not making it for a brand, if you're making it for IP or you're making it for advertising revenue. You know, if you think creating any piece of content is easy, then that piece of content's probably crap.
0: And I suppose a, a branded podcast is it's not a direct response, is it? It's, it is that long-term branding side of things and i guess from that perspective maybe some of the traditional measures that you might get with advertising aren't necessarily relevant so when a brand says what will my what will success be Mm. on a a branded podcast what's your response to that
1: so listen through rate and again it's it's different from flora's use of of listen through rate. when when we're talking about how long people have, have stayed with it then Thankfully, Apple again is fragmented, but Apple give us that stat of what is the average percentage of this episode that people have listened to. So we're normally setting that target at 70% plus, and we are able to have that as a KPI. Obviously, we talk about listener numbers as a KPI, but that is quite finger in the air. When you're creating work for a brand, it's very, very unlikely that you're aiming for th- number one on iTunes. I'm not saying that wouldn't happen, but it, that's, that's to do with lots of other factors. If I take one of, one of the podcasts we create, for instance, which is for Allianz Insurance, we create this piece of work, which is all about the future of the insurance industry. So there's no interest to anybody who works outside the insurance industry. The target audience is insurance brokers, of which there are 6,000 in the UK, and we get 1,500 listens per episode for that. So Allianz are hitting a quarter of their whole target market with a podcast. Now, 1,500 listeners per episode, if you're aiming for number one on the iTunes charts, is absolutely diddly squat and you wouldn't normally bother doing it. But to talk to that audience in that depth for 20 minutes at a time, that's something that a brand like Allianz are willing to pay good money to do. And so that listener through rate is really, really important in just showing that people have stuck with your brand. We've started to create a a metric. Well, I can't say we originated it. We nicked it from someone in America. So apologies for that. But cost per minute of human attention. So really simply, if you add up all your average listening time, multiply by the number of people who listen to it, and then divide your cost by that, you end up at a a metric that's genuinely useful. So if I take an example of Allianz, the cost per minute of human attention for that is something about £3.00. 60.
2: What I was saying was that you're underselling yourself because you should do it by seconds, well, which is what everyone else does in media, and then you'll be even better.
1: Which shows the fundamental difference between what we're creating here and, and other media, doesn't it? Because you know, if, I, if I take something we create for WWF, that's three pence per minute of human attention. You know, a brand is paying 3p to have a whole minute of undivided attention from an audience. There's very, very few other media that could compete with that. You
3: know, sorry, just to jump in there, you, you mentioned the word attention, which is what was really key here, because well, I think we all agree that one of the uh, the fundamental strengths of podcasts is the attention that it delivers. And I think you're, you're, you've are you're got to go up against the other media here and going down to seconds is going to make you seem incredibly cheap. So, David, I'll your do point that. before around, you know, it feels like a relatively expensive media, you know, media buying is moving into the attention economy people are wanting to buy and plan around attention now this is the massive opportunity for podcasting they, they if we can do a, a study come together as an industry do a study around the role of attention that podcasts drive then you'll probably find that we we are probably the single most impressive media channel that you can buy um, out there for attention
2: on a, on attention because this is a work stream which I, I work a lot on on attention so we have currently got a way to be able to plan multimedia. So every media has a factor of attention, which we've been able to measure through amplified intelligence. So if, you, if you're if you familiar with that research, it's amazing. The challenge with this is it's all around eye tracking. And this is a lot of the challenge with attention in general, is that it's based on eye tracking, but I think there's so much worth in audio, in attention, and I think it's disproportionate to the price. I think that you'll get so much more. People are able to continue doing what they need to do and also pay attention to their podcast. So we're underselling ourselves if we don't have that metric, because basically what we're doing as a planning multimedia is we're looking at the attention score, we're adjusting our costs based on that, and then replanning it. So that's, that's the approach. If we don't have the number for podcasting, then we can't do it. But also we need something which is comparable from a research perspective. So that is kind of the big challenge ultimately is who's going to do it first. I know you've done some stuff in the intention space, which is amazing. But um, I think that this is a really important thing to tap into and to look at for the industry to future-proof it.
0: Yeah, and, and you're right. We, we're doing a lot of work on engagement as a proxy for attention, you know, second by second engagement during an ad, where are the peaks and troughs? What's happening? Is it, you know, is it brand mentions? Is it, we've seen that things like a can opening, cash register, cash till opening, they're the sorts of things that grab attention, but, and also how that impacts what the most effective length of an ad is you know where does attention drop off and that kind of thing and, and you're right because we don't have you know i know a lot of podcasts now you can watch on youtube but fundamentally still it's obviously it's an audio medium so you don't have the ability to use eye tracking and obviously now there are you know with interactive formats you know that shake me's and, and actionable audio ads um things like that it does give you the ability to to track some of that you know are people still engage at the end of the ad and saying alexa whatever it is please
3: open my my skill so so that does help but We still need to see, don't we, um, an uptake on on smart speaker listening really for that to really to to kind of hit the numbers there. But I think that's definitely coming. And I think that's going to help the podcast pitch as well. But as Flora said, you know, all all the studies Amplified intelligence, Lumen research that have been investing a lot into attention, it's all been on eye tracking. So it's all desktop, uh, YouTube. I think in TV have taken all the money in terms of their studies. So we to, maybe we just need to kind of lobby yeah. know, those, those people to <laughs> well, do a bit. We're of work having for
2: conversations us. with them, so I promise you, I am representing. <laughs> but um, it, it is a very niche part to kind of push, but. The, the other things which are being pushed are like you say you know engagement or a kind of metric which is a proxy which is still a step forward so I'd still encourage people to look into that because it's still that's better than nothing if you know what I mean um, and that's a step in the evolution towards the attention economy which is going to be an absolute huge thing for the future. Also just
1: Picking up on what we said earlier about us versus the states and sort of size of budgets, I can't emphasise how far at the bottom of the curve we still are in terms of the growth of this market. You know, we're in partnership with a company called Pacific Content in the states, who are the leading provider of, of, of branded podcasts over there. And their budgets are way, way out of proportion to to what we have here. And that's frustrating from our point of view sometimes, but actually it's really exciting because that's where it's going to go. You know, this is about 25% of our work comes from mainland Europe or the Middle East as well. And so it's actually, it's a booming market for the UK, full stop. And podcast listening in general has been ahead of (coughs) mainland Europe partly because we speak English, partly because of the BBC, et cetera. But there's a huge amount of, as we increase the understanding, as we encourage people to get to grips with what this medium can do, there's a huge amount of growth to come there. I know that Audio UK at the moment are, are working to try and see if they can help work with government to Im- improve the way that, that the industry is, is helped in that direction as well. And if there's, uh, if, if there's a growth market in audio right now, it is podcasting by a long way and it's still got a hell of a long way to go. And we're in at the inception of it and we can help to drive things like the standardization of the, the metrics, the understanding. But, you know, this is a, still a very, very young medium.
0: And from a from a buying and selling standpoint and in terms of budgets, as Neil mentioned, are are you seeing those, those budgets coming? Are they naturally kind of organically coming just as industry grows or do you think they will come with... Once we, whether it's attention or whatever other metrics, we, we ultimately settle on are the standards for for podcast measurement. Does it need those before those budgets really take off, or is it is it starting to come anyway?
3: I'll go first. I, I feel like we're I feel like we're working um, with a handbrake on a little bit because we don't have we don't have that level of data to support the role that we know that podcast plays. There's growing, mounting evidence from, from all different kind of third-party um, sources, you know, Kantar, a lot of people like Acast and The Guardian have been doing an awful lot of money or putting, uh, spending a lot of money on research to understand the role that podcasting plays. But it, we're just we're just at the start of that journey. And I think that the reality check for us on the sales side is that the budgets are coming, the briefs are coming, the size of the budgets is growing, but not at the rate that I think the industry probably deserves, but I get why. And that's because there's, the question is always going to be, what, what am I buying? So I know what I'm buying when I buy my digital plan over here. I know what I'm getting when I buy my TV plan over here and my print plan over there. What role is podcasting actually delivering for me? So I kind of get the questions, but it's definitely growing anyway. And more and more and more brands are entering uh, the podcasting and they're testing at the moment. And I think those that have tested previously up to this point are spending more. So obviously it's working. So, I, I just think that we, you know, the can, or sorry, sorry, the statistic numbers that I think you quoted at the start will probably be at the lower end. I think they'll be higher than that by 2026. I think you quoted 80 million. I think it'll be more than that by by that point because we are, I mean, yes, we're a small business. And We're growing month on month, so we're probably out of kilter with other businesses like Acast that have been going for seven years or so. So our growth is going, you know, on a is, is off a lower base, but we're accelerating quite quickly. And the briefs that we that we're working on, when I first arrived in October, they were all kind of single-digit thousand pound or thousand dollar briefs. Now we're getting six-figure briefs. That's how quickly that we've seen things move. Can't always spend all the money on my network, but we're trying very hard and to support Neil's point. You know, a lot of it, it we're coming in is, is is branded content, branded or sponsored episodes as well. So you know, brands and 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 marketing managers starting to understand what role podcasts play, but it's just a tiny percentage right now, and we need we do need we do need the evidence to back that up. I think. Got it. And, and so the brands that are coming back and saying, oh, it worked, we're going to now spend six figures.
0: What is the metric or key metric now that they're kind of hooking on? Because there's to, to
3: jump from single digit to, to that kind of thing. Actually, actually, to be honest, the single biggest factor for the driving budgets is the, is the duration of the campaign. Whereas before there were maybe one or two week campaigns. We're now talking about three month campaigns as well. So that in itself is driving some of the budgets up so they're coming in for a longer period some of them are sponsored series rather than you know by by buying just listens or buying weeks they're talking about potentially um uh, sponsoring or or being sole exclusive host read sponsors for whole series or for blocks of time so that in itself is kind of improving the budgets that
0: we're talking about as well and and also, I suppose, engagement is, is not just the, the, you know having quality content. There's the question around the ads themselves. And I think audio has suffered in the past, probably still does a bit, where when it's been an afterthought, it's, oh, let's just take the... or strip the audio from the TV ad and stick it on the radio or something like that. And, and that can be an awful, awful experience. And then there's this ongoing thing in podcasting between you know, live reads, host reads, whatever, um, spot ads. And and I think Flora when Chatter there you mentioned it and I completely agree so that I'm not just throwing you under the bus of having said this, but I think you said, you know, sometimes live reads these days, starting if you're not careful, to feel a bit forced in.
2: Yeah, I think there are the popular podcasts, some of them in the UK market are at a tipping point where they're taking on too many live reads and it's actually eroding the user experience, the listener experience. And I think that we need to be careful about finding that balance between, you know, commercialising versus the experience of the listener because ultimately they will get into the habit of fast forwarding and then you won't get anything. So we need to be really careful with that. Going back to the, um, the measurement piece as well, I think that well, as far as I'm aware, I've never seen podcasts come up in econometrics ever because it's quite a small budget and you might get digital audio if you're very, very lucky, but I've never seen podcasts. So it is actually still quite hard because the budget is low so it's almost ironic that you know they need to spend more in order to a client needs to spend more to be able to learn more but that is the case and we can do different tests and get different output metrics but the key one if you have econometrics is does this give me return on investment and if you can't answer that which you can't with a lower budget then we'll never get anywhere so we almost need a couple of big brands to spend a lot of money and share their econometrics for us to be able to do that which is incredibly unlikely but it's an interesting one to think about. I think
0: there's a lot of stuff to um, to start unpacking here. I mean, on, on a, the, you know the the quality stuff. I, I've heard the same. The Joe Marla show I mentioned, I listened to a lot when that first started. It was great because there was a sponsor ad and whatever. And now there's about three minutes of ads in the middle. I still listen to. I love the show, but it's just I'm just fast forwarding it because there's as much as I think Joe Marla and Tom Fordyce are great. There's only so many one minute ads back to back you can hear of of them doing it in their jokey and way and they're
2: less relevant generally you know previously when they first started doing them they were brands which they really wanted to work with whereas it does feel like now it can be any brand and they'll sh- like I listen to off menu off menu do a lot of live reads and I absolutely adore them but I'm I'm still fast forwarding and waiting for the soundtrack for me to know when the content is so there's a clear signpost which you can fast forward to So something to think about.
1: And that's a bit about value, isn't it? Because part of the... The model for creating most podcasts, take the stuff that we make out of it, most podcasts are originals funded by advertising. And therefore, that's the only way that they can monetize. And at the moment, it does seem to be, just give me more things to read, just put more ads at the start, and that's how to make more money. Again, as the market grows, and therefore the listenership to each podcast increases, then hopefully you can have fewer ads, but with a bigger audience. And also start to think about exactly as you say, um, exclusive sponsorships mean you don't have to just continually take as many reads as you can cram into that show. I don't know if you mentioned it right at the top, Damien, but, you know, podcasting
3: isn't radio. I mean, everybody knows that, right? Everybody in this room. And I think the one thing I remember being told when I first kind of got into podcasting was protect the listener's ears. It is an incredibly unique immersive experience and it's a, it's a considered listen. And I think that we'd be very well placed to remember that when we're kind of pushing, you know, the monetization of podcasts, because you can very quickly lose your audience. You can get turned off by this. I think there is potentially some podcast that I would American podcast, I think, where you can probably get your way through eight ads in a a 30 minute episode and that can feel a little bit much so we've got to make sure that we balance this out quite nicely and I think Neil your points are absolutely right you know if the market gets to a point where you can you know, the the audience is big enough to sustain one or two host streets or one or two spot ads in the in the mid roll and stuff like that, where the the, the the listening experience is not overwhelmed by the advertising. You know, it will continue to grow, but we just protect the listener's ears. It's really key. Uh,
2: and use other channels as well. So I know that sounds a bit counterintuitive, but for example, um, there are podcast. Oh, I think that's time. Uh, <laughs> there there are podcasts which have diversified to say subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on social, and then you can create a package around that as well you know it's not just about the actual podcast format now it's also about the wider package and the opportunity of harnessing those followers in different ways so that's definitely something to think about
0: no and no, no, no. i think you know as, as we at some point we're moving into this sort of post cookie world and, and context sort of comes back I and mean, it was all contextual advertising was always a thing and podcasting is is contextually Relevant, right? I mean, you've got that. Like you say you've got an, an engaged audience. Um, I'm flicking through here, trying to find. I scribbled a stat down and I can't find it. But yeah, here we go. Um, podcast ads. I, I, what do I get this from? It's a study from the US, 2018. So possibly slightly different now. But podcast ads have a four and a half time, four and a half times higher brand recall than display. So that speaks to that kind of contextual relevance. People being engaged in the content. I listen to to Business Wars. I don't know if any of you guys listen to that, but the guy that hosts is brilliant. It's a great series, but The stuff that he endorses that apparently he does, I mean, this guy has um, fax machines at home, he has franking machines at home, apparently he's a foreign exchange trader. I'm like, this is starting to lose any kind of context and relevance now because I don't believe that you do all that stuff at, at home yourself. One of the things, and, and I think we'll probably end up coming back to measurement again at some point. But when we spoke the other day, we I asked a question about brand safety, and and one of you I forget who it was said that brand suitability was actually more. But what about brand safety? Where, where does that come from,
3: from a from a from a selling perspective? Then and Andrew, in that case, what, what does think, that come up? Um, I, I again, I'm talking from an adalicious point of view. You know, we're a, we're an invite only uh, podcast ad network. Um, it's, there's no pay to play. So we know every single podcast that sits within our network. We have a personal relationship with all of the creators, all of the networks, all of the publishers. And, you know, um, we, when we work with third parties, we work on programmatic uh, with people like um, AdSweeds, our partner. We work with Spotify and the Spotify audience network, you know, they do put in place brand safety protocols that are all IAB compliant um, as an absolute minimum. Some of the some of the uh, uh, software and technology that AdsWiz allows us to do is to turn audio into text, so you can use block word, you can use bl- uh, block lists when, with with the advertising around around the content. So we're getting better at that. But I do, it's just that when it comes to the host read end of the market, which is where we we tend to work more proactively into to media agencies on the host read. I do think the conversation moves away from brand safety into brand suitability because we, you know what the environment is you're in. You know who the hosts are. You know what their content is like. So it's either right for the brand or it not There isn't an immediate brand safety issue. But I think as Flora's mentioned, we do need to, you know, in terms of the, the broader brand safety, especially when it comes to buy, the automated buying of spot um, into, into the podcast world, we need to probably tighten up a little bit on that.
2: Yeah, it, it feels I'm, I'm like, assuming
3: that somebody's going to appear there and tell us to stop talking at some
0: point I'm so sure keep going will. until we get bored <laughs> everyone's, everyone's bored
2: yeah I think that in terms of brand safety multimedia digital is much stricter because we have those metrics and set up to be able to do that and I do think it sounds like what you guys are doing is great with you know trawling through the words and working out what people are saying and making sure that, that you can exclude certain keywords we do that as standard in all display and video but what we won't do that is in podcasts so we we rely at the moment on suppliers to ensure that they are doing that strict enough for us so that we're happy with that process but I do think that it's a bit of an oversight I'll be perfectly honest I think that there's more to do in that space as we it's, it's the counter of getting more measurement is ultimately that we need to make sure that we're set up we've set ourselves up for success with brand suitability and safety definitely
0: so i, I think this is probably a much bigger topic and probably a separate panel or together um, and because i just looked at the time i didn't realize we've been rabbiting on which is good so we're we're almost done but so i guess probably just to to wrap up and i i don't think i said or oh, prepare a little wrap up thing so i'll just kind of say you know Do any of you want, is there any final kind of thoughts or uh, uh, maybe a thing that you think, you know, from your perspective, if we as an industry... Get that, or start to get that sorted out. You can't all say the same one. Um, get that sorted out. We're kind of getting ourselves onto the right lines. So we, we've been going this way from That's the start. Not fair, <laughs> Flora. You go first.
2: Go okay, I was going to say because we we spoke about it last week, but we haven't mentioned it in this um, forum, which is diversity and inclusivity. We haven't mentioned it at all, but is a huge planning topic. Podcasting represents a lot of diverse um, audiences um, in many different ways, ranging from neurodiverse to disability to um, ethnic backgrounds. There's lots of different pockets of podcasts which are really helping people in certain diverse audiences, you know, basically identify with them and reach them and be empathetic towards them and speak in the right language and that is really unusual I think that there's a huge opportunity within that space to commercialize that better because we can't currently buy a package in that way but it's a contextual buy it's not an audience buy and that actually means that it's compliant and that's really important so ultimately it's it's not it's it's not unethical it's, it's something which you are able to do, you're allowed to do. And actually, as long as the messaging is for public good, it should be encouraged overall. So, for example, in government, we have NHS blood transfusion. So there's a blood type which is much more likely to come up, which is very rare within um, black and African communities. And therefore, we should be targeting those people in order to get their blood because it's it's rarer so that that's a good reason to target those audiences and we need to do that and there is more need to move from unconscious exclusion to conscious inclusion and that's a huge thing for the future so that's my one
0: thank you and that's that's probably a separate panel as well that
3: we 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 should have a talk about at some point for me it's going to be about doubling down on attention i think if we can get the evidence to support that the the media industries leaning into it in a huge way flora's already mentioned that they, they they already plan and buy other media around attention and they can start to measure that and i think if we can join the party and that's going to accelerate people more and more brands more and more agencies leaning into podcasts
1: the uh i, I think if you if you look across and I, i'm sort of going back to the title of this session, really, what does, what does success look like? I, th- I think the important thing is just to think that through and to really understand that because we're already, despite everything I've said about it being a young industry, you still also come across people, particularly in the media, who go, oh, bloody podcast. Everybody wants a podcast. There's already too many podcasts out there. Why do we need to add to it? To which the answer is, there aren't too many books there aren't too many albums. There, there aren't too many videos in the world. It, it, there's not a finite number of podcasts you can have, but a lot of them. There's a there's a, a big chunk of stuff that is not worth listening to. And if you if you're going to cut through, you need to think about the quality of what you're creating. You need to think about whether this is good enough. Particularly in the UK, we're very used to the BBC. And it's, it's, it's something that's actually both boosted and held the podcast industry back over the years because in many ways, they were early, but they also... St- prevented the commercial development of of podcasting because there was already you know such good content out there. Not necessarily their fault, they're just creating good stuff. But because we're used to a high quality of audio, that's the bar you have to hit to get people in. Uh, and it is it is no good thinking that either as a producer, a creator, or a you know, someone working with brands as we do, that you can just go on to the podcast platform, set yourself up. And you know, build it and they will come. They won't. You have to think these through, these things through carefully. There are on the brand safety things. You know, I, I worry slightly about the Joe Rogan effect of the last couple of months because it still feels like a, a bit of a wild west in that sense. So hopefully we're smart enough and, and sensitive enough that we, we we don't create tons more of of those. But um, you know, I, I'm really optimistic about the way that the industry is going. I, I just. I, I'm just keen to make sure that we hold ourselves up to the same standards of, of content that you would expect in a broadcast medium.
0: Brilliant, thank you. And I'm going to take the moderator's right of saying I've got nothing extra to add because these three are far more qualified than me on this. Obviously, we're going to continue from a very tonic standpoint, furthering the whole engagement, attention, measurement of, of audio and, and hoping to make it effective both from content and the buying and selling side. So, um, so that's been interesting. Thank you. So if I'd like to thank Andrew, Flora Neil, then thank you all for listening. <laughs>
1: i'm sarah the paper nerd and if you've ever wondered what goes into that greeting card you just sent or received well quite a lot get your paper fix on the paper fold where i host an enchanting mix of personalities and players all nerding out on my favorite topic stationery from the designs of our snail mail communications to the precious space created when two people correspond there's a lot to cover so come grab a seat in the stationery community's only five star paper salon the paper fold now part of the evergreen podcast network